In our message today, we are going to be talking about the subject of hope. And today, we're going to be hearing from the Apostle Paul as we continue in 1 Corinthians 15 and looking at the resurrection of the dead and how Jesus brings hope that the best is yet to come. The message that we have for this week is all about hope as we continue in our message series, Resurrection Power. Now, I want you to think about what hope is like. It's interesting that back in the 1950s, there was a Harvard professor that did a study on the subject of hope, and he used rats, and he put them into a bowl with water, and he wanted to see how long they would go before they would just give up and drown. And the average rat lasted about 15 minutes before it drowned. Then what he did was to test the theory of hope. He would lift them out after about 10 minutes, let them rest, and then put them back in. And you want to know how long they actually lasted? It wasn't measured in minutes. It wasn't even measured in hours. It was measured in days. They would last two and a half days all because one time they were rescued. And that just goes to show the power of hope. Now I want you to think, do you sometimes feel like you are treading water? That there's just no hope of ever getting out of the situation that you're in? Maybe, maybe for some of you, it's a troubled relationship that no matter what you try, no matter what you say, it just seems like the person that you're in a relationship with just doesn't seem to want to reciprocate that or show you love or care for you or whatever the situation may be. How do you have hope in that situation? I, I can't help but think of, of those of you who are maybe in your teens and you've had hopes for a great sports season this year and because of an injury you were sidelined and, and now you're thinking, man, I just missed this season or I just missed these games or whatever it is and so again, where is your hope? Maybe for some of us, we're a little bit older, so I'm not 15 anymore. In fact, I'm approaching 50 now. And, and now for me, I'm realizing that my body isn't quite what it used to be. In fact, the very reason why you are seeing this video instead of me live is because as this video is being shown, I am going to be face down for seven days, 22 hours a day because of a retinal surgery that I need on my left eye. I'm just telling you, I ain't looking forward to it. And at the same time, I have hope. And the hope is not based on my circumstances. The hope is based on my Savior Jesus, the one who I know is going to be with me because he's my risen savior. And so the big question that we're going to be asking and addressing in this message today is this, how can I have hope amid life's struggles? So we all have them. We, there are ups and downs all the time. So how can I have hope amid life's struggles. And where we're going to go today is recorded in 1 Corinthians 15 as we continue this verse-by-verse walkthrough of this amazing chapter that we title the Resurrection Chapter. And the Apostle Paul has this to say in 1 Corinthians 15 starting with verse 35. He says, But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. 
When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and stars differ from star in splendor. Now, what's interesting is that, that Paul, again, is addressing the skeptics among the Corinthian congregation. Because remember, they grew up in the Greek culture. This whole idea of a bodily resurrection was completely foreign to them. They did not believe in that. They, as Greeks, they viewed the death as an escape from the body instead of looking forward to a bodily resurrection. And so for them, this was something that was completely skewing their thoughts, and, and they had all kinds of questions, legitimate questions. And Paul here addresses the fact of how it is going to be someday when Jesus, at the last day, raises our bodies back to life. And notice that he, he draws lessons from nature. So he talks about a seed being planted into the ground, that when we sow the seed, it goes in one way, but then comes out as a plant that's growing. Or he uses the example of all different types of skin. I mean, if you've ever been to a taxidermist, then you know there's a bunch of different types of skins with animals and birds and fish and so on. And he's saying, hey, listen, look at nature. Look at nature and you will see examples of resurrection all around you, especially during planting season. And so here's our, our first point that we really want to make then, and that is this. Look at nature and learn what hope is. Hope is a confident expectation that the best is yet to come. You know, it's interesting that uh, if you've ever been around farmers, then you know that there's this certain expectation that when they, they plant their fields, that there is going to be a crop. Now, some years, not. Some years, if it's a drought year, or some years, if, uh, if as the, it's in that crucial growing phase, there's a lot of flooding that goes on in their fields, then maybe they won't. But pretty much every year, there's this certain expectation, this confident expectation. They have hope that what they plant is going to grow and produce a crop. And what's interesting is that Paul also then uses this analogy here of looking at the stars and looking at the sun and the moon and the stars and, and comparing that to what we see on earth and, and all of it has different kinds of splendor. It's so cool that uh, my, my youngest son has gotten into photography a little bit right now and so he's, he's loving the challenge of being able to capture pictures of the moon. And he's got a pretty good camera and so some of the pictures that he's getting are just amazing. That with our view of the moon, just with our regular eyes, there's no way we would be able to see that kind of detail. There is great splendor, even as we see the moon. And, and that Greek word for splendor really means glory. And so what Paul is identifying for us is that we look around at nature. We can learn what hope is. The things aren't always what they seem. That no matter what we're going through in life, whether it's eye surgery like me or some relational issue that we're struggling with, or maybe financial issues or physical health issues, whatever the situation may be, hope is the confident expectation that because the resurrection is real, 
that because Jesus' love for you is real, that the best is yet to come. Now, what does that look like? Well, the Apostle Paul continues on in verse 42 when he says this, So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. So what he's pointing out is that on the last day, on Judgment Day, when Jesus comes again, uh, whether that's, uh, you know, 100 hours from now, 100 years from now, 100,000 years from now, we don't know how long it's going to be. But when our bodies are raised up, that our bodies are going to be glorified. That's what he says here. Now, I just want you to think of that. Just think about what that's going to be like. No more Advil. I mean, no more aches and pains, right? So no more need for Advil. There, there, are, there are not going to be any doctors. Doctors are going to be out of a job in heaven, right? Because there's not going to be any need for that. We're going to have glorified bodies. As he says here, that it's sown in weakness, in other words, death, but it's raised in power, the resurrection power that Jesus displayed when he rose from the dead as well. And we have hope that the best is yet to come, that no matter what our bodies are going through right now, no matter what aches and pains we have, no matter what frustrations or worries or stresses that we have, the best is yet to come. And Jesus is the proof of that. But there's another thing that we can learn from this, and that's the fact that our bodies matter to Jesus. Jesus didn't die and rise again just to save our souls. He also died and rose again to save our bodies and our souls. And so the key is to remember that while we're living in the, this in-between, where it's, we've already experienced the already, and we haven't experienced the not yet, the, the best is yet to come, but we're not experiencing that in heaven yet, how does Jesus want us to use our bodies now? And the, again, the Apostle Paul uh, wrote a little bit earlier in this letter to the Corinthians in chapter 6. He said this, uh, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19. He said, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now, I just want to camp out on that thought for just a moment. When was the last time that you thought about your body being a temple of the Holy Spirit? I'm just going to tell you, it's not every day for me. It really isn't. And that's, this is the reason why we want to take care of our bodies. That our bodies are actually on loan to us from God. And so as we look forward to the best that we're going to have the ultimate upgrade in our bodies in, in heaven someday, that we want to take care of our bodies now. But we also want to realize that we have to be careful that we don't worship our bodies. And, and that's the, the next point that we want to make here. That as we live with hope that the best is yet to come, we strive to honor Jesus with our bodies, not honor our bodies in place of Jesus. Now, the reason why I, I share this is that we live in a culture that worships body image. We just do. Uh, just think about the, what is the highest grossing industry online right now? You know what it is? The porn industry. And what does that do? It worships body image, doesn't it? In fact, maybe some of you right now who are watching this, you're struggling with that. And I want you to understand that 
God wants us to honor him with the use of our bodies. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, do you realize that the whole context of that section of honoring God with our bodies is to flee from sexual immorality? And so, in other words, as we look forward to the best is yet to come, let's not dishonor God with how we use our bodies and with what we're looking at, too. But this also means that we want to care for our bodies, that we want to be able to eat well, get enough rest, which I'm guilty sometimes. I'm not always good at that. We want to be able to exercise and, and take care of ourselves, but not at the expense of Jesus. And what I mean by that is that we, we aren't viewing this as something where, oh my goodness, I have to stave off death because I don't trust in Jesus. I don't know what's going to happen beyond this life. No, we, we care for our bodies because they're on loan to us until the day that we get to see Jesus face to face. And, and it's just interesting that, you know, again, we live in a culture that worships body image. I mean, just, just think about what you see as you're watching shows. Think about the billions of dollars that are being poured into anti-aging uh, medication. In fact, uh, there's an article that just came out a, a few days ago that uh, it, it's titled like this. It says, it's the first anti-aging pills to hit shelves in 2028, experts predict, as Silicon Valley races to conquer death. In that article, by the way, they quote that Jeff Bezos uh, has um, poured $3 billion into a biotech company to be able to reverse aging. Now, I've got a much better way to do that. Just get Snapchat and go ahead and put that filter on and, you know, this is what you're going to look like. Pretty amazing, huh? That's what I think, right? Who, who needs the biotech industry when you've got a Snapchat filter? But all kidding aside, the reality is that the best is yet to come, that we're gonna have glorified bodies someday because the resurrection is true. Jesus rose from the dead, and so we get to look forward to that. But in the meantime, honor Jesus with your body. Don't dishonor Jesus with your body. That's the point. Now, the Apostle Paul also wrote in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, he said, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. The reason why I bring this up is that it's, it's okay to be focused on anti-aging and, and health care and caring for your body and so on. But to think that you're going to beat death, I mean, to think that the Silicon Valley races to conquer death, I'm sorry, it's not going to be found in what people can come up with. It's going to be found in Jesus Christ, the one who is the real death conqueror. And that's why we want to put our faith and our trust and our hope in him. Now, that's where the Apostle Paul then goes next. Uh, in verse 44 of 1 Corinthians 15, he continues, It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the, la the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. 
And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. I don't know if you're anything like me, but as you read those verses, there's a part of me that's like, what? What is this talking about? And I just want to boil it down to absolutely the simplest of terms. What he's really talking about here is that you and I are soul and body. So there's a spiritual being to us and there's a physical being to us. And Jesus cares about both. And that, yes, we have inherited a body that will return to dust when it dies. That, that's the point that he's making here that, yeah, the first man became a living being and that was God who created that. And that the first man also is of the dust of the earth. So there is a physical part of us, but notice his emphasis. We need one who gives us the life-giving spirit. And who is that? Jesus. Because as he says here, the last Adam, Jesus, is a life-giving spirit. And so in other words, we need Jesus. He's the one that we need to put our hope in. And so here's our next point that we want to make. We have hope for the best because our hope is in the best, Jesus Christ. I want you to think about that for a moment. When I, when I think about that, that we have hope for the best because our hope is in the best, Jesus Christ, I can't help but think of what's going on with the Phoenix Suns right now. You know, they're super excited about the playoffs and, and the whole reason why they negotiated the trade to get Kevin Durant here is so that they could go all the way in the playoffs. Their hope for the best to win the playoffs is because they have the hope in the best that they've got KD with them. I'm going to tell you something, though. They're not guaranteed of that. But here's the thing. KD can't conquer death. But JC could. You see, Jesus Christ is the one that ultimately is the death conqueror. That he's given us so much more than just an NBA championship, so much more than an NFL championship. He gives us the championship called eternal life. All because Jesus loved you and me so much that he gave up his life on the cross. He endured hell in our place so that for all the times we've worshiped body, for all the times that we've had misplaced priorities where we haven't kept Jesus first place in our life, for all the times that we've allowed worry and stress to control us instead of to putting our hope in Jesus, Jesus paid the price for our forgiveness. And that's why he's a life-giving spirit. He is a eternal championship-winning savior. And as we close, I just want you to think about uh, some of the examples of, of people that you know of who have endured just incredible things because of hope. You know, just recently, uh, I had the chance to go and, and tour the Phoenix Rescue Mission, um, one, of their, one of their buildings, a whole campus that they have where they house women who are coming off the streets and, and their children and it's just so touching to hear the stories of some of them. Uh, one of them, she's working there now and she's off the streets. And why? Because of Jesus Christ and the hope, the confident expectation of the best future possible because of Jesus. And she was able to do that. Now look at her. She's, she's working at the Phoenix Rescue Mission to help others do the same. You see, because hope is contagious. Hope is something that we can share with other people as we go through life together. 
I think of my mom, and she's another example of a person who has just a, a profound impact on my life because of the hope that she's always had. When she was pregnant with me and she was diagnosed with stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma, she had confident expectation that the best is yet to come because she knew her life is in Jesus' hands. And you know what? To make a long story short, she went through a lot, a lot of surgeries, a lot of cancer treatments and so on. But here's the thing. She was told to abort me so that she could get treatment right away. And she said, no way. I'm putting my hope in Jesus. And to make a long story short, she's alive and well today. And so am I because of her decision. That's hope. Confident expectation in the goodness and love of our God. And so I want to just kind of close out today with three ways to anchor your hope as you go through the ups and downs, uh, the life's struggles that we experience. And, and I'm just going to read these three off. The first is remember what Jesus did for you. Remember the cross. Remember what he endured so that he could give you hope, that confident expectation that heaven is yours. And then the next one is repent of the sin that is in you. The wages of sin is death. The reason why people die is because of sin. It's not cancer, not heart attacks, not anything else. It's because of sin. And you need to repent of your sin. I need to repent of my sin and put my trust and hope in the one who made the payment for my forgiveness and for yours. And then the next one is race for the prize that awaits you. It's track season right now, so I couldn't help but put this in. Race for the prize that awaits you. Every athlete that competes, every athlete that competes in a race, they're looking forward to the end, to the finish line. They have this confident expectation that they're going to get there. And I just can't help but think of the Apostle Paul, how he closed out his letter to Timothy, his second letter to Timothy. Paul was in prison. He knew that it was going to be a short time before he was going to be martyred for his faith, that he was going to be murdered for his faith in Jesus. And this is what he wrote in 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Notice he doesn't say might award to me. He says will award to me. And why? Because it wasn't about Paul. It was about the victory that Jesus won. And then he said, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. That longing, it's hope. Hoping for his appearing. The reason why I close out with this is because there are some good days. There are some great days in life. And there are some really bad days in life too. That in the midst of life's ups and downs, in the midst of all of the struggles that you face, put your hope in Jesus. He is your risen Savior who loves you, who walks with you, who's guiding you home. Trust him and put your hope in him. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the reminder of all that the resurrection means for us. That because you conquered sin and conquered death and conquered the devil, that we have hope 
that the best is yet to come, that no matter what we're going through in life, whether we're struggling with health difficulties or financial difficulties or whether it's relationship difficulties, whatever the case may be, Lord, you, you know, because you are with us as our risen Savior. And so we ask, Lord, that you help us to be strong, to be strong in the hope of the resurrection, that the best is yet to come. And we ask all of these things, Lord, in your saving name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen.